So guys, what's more of an evocative statement? Thou shalt not steal or thou shalt not steal logs? I don't know, but we're going to find out. This is the Christian Artist, honoring Christ through creativity. My name is Caleb. My name is Connor. My name is Carly. Hi, Carly. Oh no, I don't have you in the right spots. Oh no, we were doing- we were, oh. I was about to mention that, but I thought that you, you know, I, I was like, oh, oh well, I mean, I'm sure. <laughs> we, were, we were doing so that. well. We were, we were. I mean, so we actually well. had a cult opening. It, it didn't <laughs> be funny. I'm, I'm the worst. Bad. I'm literally the worst. Yep, that's okay. We all knew it. Uh, all right, we all, anyway, we're, all the we're here. We're here. Um, but obviously first, we gotta talk about Carly's trip. Before you understand yeah. the context of my weird statement. Yeah. How, how was your trip, Carls? It was so much more than I expected. Oh, my gosh. It In was a good so way, good. I, I hope. Yes. 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 Good, good. Um, so I went to Moscow, Idaho for a New St. Andrews College Prospective Student Weekend, which is a lot of words. Um, <laughs> and also, while we were there, the Grace Agenda Conference that Christ Church puts on was going on, and it's a free conference, so we went, and it was also amazing. Um, I got to hear Andy Wilson and Doug Wilson um, talk about um, keeping your kids, more specifically cool. in the sense of like preparing them for the world as Christians. And okay, I, I'm. I have to be honest. I think I just remembered who those people are. <laughs> <laughs> the people who made uh, uh, Ride right in the Dance. Yeah. I lit. Yeah. I, 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 I didn't realized. talk to Gordon Wilson, but I saw him several times. I saw him eating a bagel. Um, <laughs> but um, he has like a little Ride in the Dance poster in, in the window of his office mm. at NSA. Mm. <laughs> um, apparently, they have a snake too there in that classroom. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but specifically at the conference, uh, at least one of the, the major things that Andy Wilson was talking about that stood out to me was like the, the goal in raising children is not to raise them so that they can survive the world. It's to raise them so that the world has to struggle to survive them. Um, oh, that's so good. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's good. Yeah, it was great. I don't know if those talks will be online. I'm assuming they will, especially since it's a free conference. So, like, why wouldn't they put them up? But um, you should check them out if they do go online at some point. Um, and so I got to meet – I got to – well, okay. First, at the student weekend thing, I got to sit in on some really cool NSA classes, like um, theology, Latin – classical Greek and a rhetoric lecture, which were super cool. There was like two hours of that one Friday where I hadn't heard like hardly any English <laughs> and it was very strange, but um, <laughs> it was cool. Um, and then at the conference, um, I got to meet some of the cross politic crew, which was super cool. And while we were sitting, we so the conference is in, um, this other church in Moscow, the Nazarene church. And at the very back, it's a huge sanctuary. And so at the very back, at the very top of the entire sanctuary, you can, is where we were sitting and you can see down to the entrance of the building. And so at one point I just look down and I see Summer Yeager walk in 
and I start like you know as you do hyperventilating. Yeah, yeah, Um, tripping. Yeah. Um, At first, I like didn't think anything of it because you can't really recognize a person that well from like just their head. Right. But um, but then someone walked up to her and was like, "I love your stuff," and like, "I love sheologians and everything." And I was like, "What?" (laughs) Um, What's going on? And then I immediately Snapchatted Connor and Caleb and started freaking out. Um, she did. She did, guys. We got a play-by-play of the whole night. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then later, I was, like, just walking through the um, the church because they had, like, vendors and everything. So during a break, I was, like, walking through all of them. I said hi to Gabe Wrench from Cross Politic. And then I was walking back into the sanctuary. I was like, I know Summer's here somewhere, and I want to say hi to her. And then I see... Um, David from Cross Politic, who I also wanted to say hi to, and so I was like, "Cool, I'll go up to him before I find Summer." And then I realized that he's talking to Summer, and I'm like, "Too much." What <laughs> is I just going walk on? Up and I'm like, "I'm huge fans of both of you." And then we all took selfies and all posted them in one Twitter thread. I know, <laughs> I saw great. that. It was pretty great. <laughs> yes. Um, so that I can was find those and post them to the. <laughs> that was the majority of my weekend. And Summer recognized, she she saw my little name tag for the NSA student weekend and was like, I know you from Twitter. And I was like, oh my gosh, what? <laughs> so you know cool. me from Twitter? <laughs> yeah. Amazing. But yeah, it was, oh, it was such a good weekend. And Idaho is really cool. Moscow is a really cool town. Um, it's Once so again. Presbyterian. But <laughs> what? Once yeah, again, the I one would like... thing they have going against them. <laughs> no, I. Uh, every single time you said you were going to Moscow, I was like, "Why are you going to Russia?" I still, yeah, no. still, even some then, some like... people pronounce it Moscow, so I don't know exactly how it's supposed to be pronounced, but um, but yeah, there's there's one coffee shop downtown that we went to called Bootsers. And it's a coffee house and pub, and there's a back room that's. Whoa, whoa, wait a second, the... Carly. Do they serve what? alcohol there? Probably. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> um, you you look down like the like the hallway, and you see the sign that's like smoking cigar room, and I'm like, it's so Presbyterian. It's very, that's very Presbyterian, <laughs> but... yeah. Apparently, it's also it's also a very liberal town, and there's also a lot of Mormons. So it just kind of reminds me of Camus, besides the Presbyterian part. <laughs> but yeah, Moscow is the Presbyterian Camus. <laughs> yeah, and the Camus is the Baptist Moscow. <laughs> Maybe I don't know if we're Baptist. I feel like we're more Pentecostal. There you go, the Pentecostal. Yeah, Moscow. <laughs> that's fine. But yeah, now I want to go to NSA even more. Um, so if if you're wanting to go to a Christian college, look them up because they're super cool. New St. Andrews College in Moscow. Yeah, NSA.edu. <laughs> um, who was it? The per- who was the person that had that quote? Was it Doug? Oh, the. Go the, have, well, it's not have your the world go through your children. That was Andy Wilson. Yeah, it Andy sounds like Wilson. something he'd say. His his talk was called "When the World Is Rated R." <laughs> <laughs> good stuff. That's fun. Mm-hmm. Very good. 
Okay. Well, yeah, cool, cool. So, Connor, you had a interesting quote at the beginning of of the episode. Yeah, um, I feel would like, you like we'll to ex- get to that later. Would you like to explain it? No, I feel like we'll get to that later. I don't. I don't uh, why don't we start. define? No, no, we'll get to that later. Why don't we define sin first? Okay. All right. Yeah, I mean, it's fair. <laughs> okay. So we're talking about homartiology today, which is the study of sin. Uh, what is sin, you ask? Say, say, well, say it again. Say it again. We're homarchi- talking about what's homartiology. Okay. Can you spell that for me? H a m a r t i o l o g y. Okay. Can you use it in a sentence? I love to study homartiology. Okay. Now I think people understand it. No, yeah. Um, but it comes from the Greek word hamartia, which means missing the mark or error. It's based on the idea of an archer trying to hit a bullseye and failing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously logia, which is study, right? So uh, hamartiology, the study of missing the mark, the study of error, the study. The, the of Greek sin. word for the Greek word for study is logia. Um, I think that's how it's pronounced. Yeah, lo- logia. That's interesting because then it's it's the Greek word for word is logos. Is logos, yeah. So to study the word would be logia logos. <laughs> to study the word, let's see, study, study of the word, Greek. I'm curious if that's actually like a thing. Yeah. Where people say logia logos or logia logiology. I don't know. I can't find anything. That's uh, fine. Yeah. We'll just it'd be something that we coined. Sure, sure. Logiology. Okay. Yep. Um, but yeah, so if that's what it, the Greek word is based on, right? So homartiology, sin, the sin, the, the word sin in our Greek Bibles um, is uh, in our New Testaments is based on the word for missing the mark or error. Um, but I think it's important to right away figure out like theologically and biblically what sin is um because it it, those connotations help us to understand what the word means but we have to let the bible and its context interpret the word and not the word interpret the context Mm -hmm. so someone might be able to say oh you know this when i sin it's just like i'm i'm i almost got there but yeah just a little tiny bit short um but when we look at the context of scripture that's not what sin is what's sin carly me on the spot um like if we if we were to like encapsulate <laughs> what the theological concept of sin is yeah what what is it um i mean i think in the most simple way of defining it it's breaking god's law yeah yeah it's a good way of putting it Mm-hmm. right so god has laws god's god has rules god has statutes um and when we disobey them we sin we miss the mark we are in error because we we do not follow that standard of perfection that god has set for us right and so it's not just follow basically god's law it's follow perfectly god's law in spirit um even right so not even just the letter of the law but the spirit of the law what it actually is referring to the 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 deepest parts of of these concepts not just thou shalt not murder all right sounds good i just won't kill anyone according to these legal codes and you know in a way that would get me thrown in jail no that's not what that means it means do not hate don't murder don't hate someone in your heart where you want to kill them um and jesus right expounds upon that in in the gospels of of these these commandments are more than just outward physical things they're inward physical inward spiritual realities um and even their principles 
their principles yeah yeah for sure so when we talk about sin and we're talking about as christians uh the study of sin and why it's important to study sin first of all it's just like why does why do people want to study sin that sounds like a really depressing (laughs) thing to study um but it's important because we do it all the time um i guarantee all three of us have sinned hundred like a hundred times at least today yeah if if we can go back a couple of steps um i have an analogy for the idea that uh it's it's the principle of the matter and not yeah, just yeah, sure. outward act. Let's say you were given the task to take care of uh, someone's wife. Okay, you're supposed to protect her life. You said somebody told you, "Hey, don't." And 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 the way that they presented it to you is, you know, don't kill her. Okay. Now, obviously, like do everything in your power to not kill this person. Okay, that's how it's presented. Now, you know, there are plenty of ways that somebody's life can be in danger. You're not the only person that could put that person in danger. And so maybe maybe something happens where uh, there's a, an accident in the house or something like that. And, and something's about to fall on here and you're, and, and you're like, well, I'm just not supposed to kill her. And, and it's like, well, no, I, I'm supposed to keep her alive. That's That's the principle of the matter. That's that's what I'm supposed to be doing with this command. I'm supposed to be keeping her alive. Like that's, that's the point. And there are plenty of different ways that she can die. You know, even, even the things that she willingly consumes, I uh, could kill her. Let's say she's a smoker and you're like, Oh, that is, that is bringing you slightly closer to death. And so me as somebody who's been given this task by the principle of the matter of what I've been told to do, I should try to keep you alive. And so I don't think you should do this. And, and so there's, there's a level and obviously that's kind of a silly analogy, but you get the point of there it's, if we're commanded to do something, there's a reason why. And it's not, it's not a, an Island of a command. All of God's law is, is connected. And that's why God is able, Jesus Christ is able to sum up the law in two sentences. So when we look at things like sin, we have to understand that there is a systematic theology for it. We have the entirety of scripture that defines it in all these different ways, not only just the 10 commandments, but all of these types of things. And Jesus himself takes it to those places of the heart. Um, But even if, even if there weren't those types of things, um, our natural desire and natural tendency is to try to get away with sin, to try to push the line. And so starting with the principle of we don't want to sin is the only way to come about this. And that's when you start thinking and, and just turning, turning the uh, something on its head, like, like the idea of um, you're, instead of trying to raise your kids to survive, try to raise your kids so that the world can't survive your kids. Um, turning that idea on its head. I mean, that's what we need to do with our idea of, of sin and human error and, and God's law because if we're truly saved, there is a radical transformation like that in our lives with the Holy Spirit. So our idea and our theology of sin should reflect that. That means right. it affects every area. Yeah, we shouldn't spend our time trying to think, oh, all right, well, what can I do? How, how can I, like, how close can I get to breaking this command without mm-hmm. actually breaking this command? And that's the complete wrong way of looking at this. Mm-hmm. When you look at, all right. 
I, I need to I need to double down and think about any possible way that I could be breaking this commandment and stay as far away from those things as possible. Now, does this can this lead to legalism? Yes, right. Like we can get too carried away with that sort of idea and and say, all right, well, like literally any like all of these like incredibly specific scenarios and like can't even like right so like if, if it's like uh don't hate anyone it's just like you literally you literally can't even like uh i don't know witness violence of any sort or whatever right like even even like seeing someone punch another person you've probably sinned by doing that right like the, the, you can get crazy weird with some of the interpretations of these things and, and start to go into some really weird legalistic um boundaries that you set for yourself um but I think the most important thing, right, is we need to be super, super strict with ourselves, but maybe not as strict with other people, um, because we we are we're supposed to be the masters of our own person. Um, but and so yes, we can we can definitely set up these strictures for ourselves and say like, all right, I'm never gonna be alone in the same room with uh, someone who's not my my wife for any reason whatsoever and and maybe that's a little you know too crazy or, or like for another person but like for you you want to make sure right that like you would not even be tempted in any way shape or form to lust after another person um f but the the issue is if you suddenly decide all right this is the standard for everyone and if ev if any if anyone's not following this standard then they're sinning you have gone beyond what god's law says and you are what what Jesus calls heaping up burdens upon people. Um, you're being you're acting like a Pharisee. You're being legalistic, and you're putting a burden upon someone that is not in God's law. Um, and so that that's an important thing to also think about, um, right? Because sin is evil, and sin is horrible, and we need to stay away from it. Um, but uh, we can often be caught in a sin ourselves when we try to heap up burdens upon other people and add things to God's law that aren't there. So. Okay, so to carry on the analogy, since yeah. might as well, since I already dug myself into this mm -hmm. hole, um, it would be like it would be like the uh, okay, okay, I'm I'm supposed to protect your life, so yeah, I, I can't let you walk down the stairs. I'll carry you. <laughs> I, I I can't let you drive a car. I'll have to drive it for you. And maybe even cars are too dangerous. And maybe actually, maybe walk. you should just never leave the house. Right. I'm, and gonna, then, lock you, I'm gonna lock you in the basement forever. And so then what you're doing is you're creating scenarios that are actually more dangerous for her because you're trying to protect her. And, and so for, for, you know, for instance, carrying it on the stairs is a lot more dangerous than her walking <laughs> in the stairs herself. And you're trying to do all these things, which is in fact, just putting her in more danger. And that's what we do with legalism is we think that we're trying to not sin. And in fact, we end up sinning by, by, taking the law of gods and in, in, into our own hands and Reading deciding and for other ourselves. To sin. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and that biblically to cause a Christian to stumble is a huge deal in God's eyes. And that's Matthew. I'm sorry. Yeah. Jesus does that and talks about that in Matthew 19, I believe. Sounds right. I shall double check, but, mm -hmm. uh, that that whole idea of uh, don't cause one of these children of mine who believe in me to stumble. Um, it's about Christians. Yeah. I don't know if it's Matthew nineteen. Um, but yeah, 
so uh, we're studying sin. Um, we want to learn a little bit about sin. What is why you know maybe maybe let's let's yeah real quick I found it okay mm-hmm. so Matthew eighteen five and six and whoever receives one such such child in my name receives me but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble it will be better for him to have a heavy millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. So, uh, yeah. Don't do it guys. Don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Right. So we're, we're studying sin. We're trying to figure out, um, right. Like what, why is it? So let, let's phrase it this way. Why is it important for us to study sin as Christians? Like we're, we're doing this whole series on like the Christian and ologies, right? These various studies and we can all be like, okay, I guess it's good to study theology and like know what salvation is. You can lead someone to Christ and stuff like that. But like, why do, why do we have to like study all, all a bunch about sin and like the specifics of sin and what is and isn't sin? Shouldn't, shouldn't grace just cover that? Like, aren't we thinking too, too harsh about this? I mean, if we don't know what is and isn't sin, how are we going to keep ourselves from sinning? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the, the question comes from a heart that's not concerned about sin. And then yeah. you don't know yeah. who God is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. The person who is truly transformed by the Holy Spirit will at, will all the time be like, I need I like I want to make sure that I'm pleasing God right like and it's not even it's not even about I want to make sure I don't do the wrong things it's it's more about like I want to make sure that I'm doing the right things right okay. and that I'm like doing what I should be doing that I'm that I'm staying away from things that will help me that will hinder me in doing the things I'm supposed to be doing um yeah an analogy from the John Wayne Cleaver series is um this teenage sociopath who hunts demons which is a great series i love i love it i love it for the um analogies that you can pull from it about a christian and in in this christian walk and the writer is a mormon and he has no he's no intention of making these theological implications and yet he does um especially with a supernatural fiction novel so that's pretty great but anyway um he is this teenage sociopath. He has this, these problems with his thoughts. And so he's always thinking about these horrible, evil things that he wants to do to people. And he keeps thinking, okay, don't do this. Don't do that. And he always has these lists of all these things that he can't do. And uh, what brings to mind is Second uh, Corinthians chapter 1, which says all the promises in Christ are yes and yes, not yes and no or no and no. It's, it's not about don't do all of these things. It's about what we get to do is, is we have the privilege. We have the opportunity now as Christians to not sin. Whereas before we were always in sin. And so this idea that if you're always focused on not sinning, your thoughts are always being captive by these evil things that you shouldn't do. What you need to do is draw your attention away from the sin and onto Christ and serving him and the good things that you can do. I think of a Philippians four meditate on these things, right? Uh, what is, what is pure? What is, what is good? What is holy to think about these things and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guide you. Right? So, so that's, that's the mindset of a Christian is it's not, we, 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 confront sin we study sin we 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 talk about these topics we don't shy away from these topics but we do it always in the light of the gospel pointing to what to do 
but you have to call out these actions that people aren't aware that they're doing before you can say, hey, here's something better. You have to expose it first. And in fact, that's even the job of the Holy Spirit to expose sin. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So now we've kind of discussed a little bit about like the basics of what sin is. Um, I have a little bit of things here uh, to kind of we can talk about in terms of like the specifics of sin um, and like um, interesting categories and divisions of, of like um, uh, what sin is what is not sin stuff like that mm -hmm. um so first one i have on here is the gravity of sin um let's let's pose this question are there some sins that are worse than others i mean there's an unforgivable sin so it's true <laughs> you'd true. think so <laughs> what's the unforgivable sin carly uh blaspheming the holy spirit uh, what what does that mean I don't... um i mean i know I mean, but you know for the listeners yeah. <laughs> i mean Re rejecting the gospel like as in saying like i don't need that and like yeah i don't know how else to like mm -hmm. the hebrews talks about it as um mm -hmm. uh like the apostate um like if you have received the gospel you have like been witness to it you have um heard it and yet turned completely away from it like it especially warns people that have that have been blessed by Christian communities and been in the presence of believing people. It especially warns them that you are in danger of great wrath from God if you turn away from all of that. In Second Peter, it says it had been better for you to have not yeah. known the way of truth and to yeah. claim to follow it than to fall away from it. I mean, imagine that. Imagine, um, it's okay. It's, it's like, it's like, um, it's, it's, I mean, it's spiritual adultery if you think about it, but with a covenant that's void. Yeah. Um, which, which is a, a very interesting idea in, in the idea of, of divorce that I've been learning about, but that's, that's, um, an apostate is, is nobody becomes a Christian mm -hmm. and then falls away because God keeps them saved. But if somebody partakes of the Holy Spirit, that's even what Hebrews 6 says, and and yet is not a true Christian, does not have faith, does not, um, it even describes it as they harden their hearts against the Holy Spirit. That's the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is you become a part of a Christian community and then, or you, you or just whatever, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, then after claiming to love God and claiming to follow the truth, speaking like a God, I want you and speaking like the vows of a wedding in a way, and then to, to fall away. And then, I mean, I can't imagine, I mean, it puts it in a, in a better light of understanding God's increased wrath for such a thing mm -hmm. that they, and, and even just of leading unbelievers astray of, of, Oh, I thought this was for a Christian. I thought this person was supposed to be representing Christ. And now look what they've done. And uh, yeah, it just, it helps you understand why it makes it, it makes it very reasonable as to why God would, would have a stronger punishment for, for such a thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, specifically about the unforgivable sin, right? The blasphemy, 
of the Holy Spirit, the context of, of that in the Gospels, right, is um, uh, the, the Pharisees are seeing Jesus' miracles, and they're saying that they're of the devil, um, that basically the, the, the miracles that Jesus is doing are from Satan. And so you have to think about it in terms of that, right? Like it's basically saying like going so far as to say that Jesus or the Holy Spirit themselves are Satan or like evil in that much of an extent. That's the sort of like horrific miscarriage of of uh, justice that's being yeah. represented, right? That you've rejected that uh, God so completely that you would dare to say such a thing. Um, and that's kind of like the, the, uh, the way it's kind of framed. So, um, but yeah, so like, but besides that one, uh, are there other sins that are like better or worse or different even are, are all sin, are all sins the same? I think of sexual sin right away is not only are you supposed to resist it in a different manner instead of fighting sin you're supposed to flee from any type of sexual temptation or immorality um but also just the pun the the uh earthly consequences of that are you're sinning against your own body and um is is what first corinthians 6 says that uh flee sexual immorality for every other sin you commit outside the body but for sexual immorality you're committing against yourself and uh i think that I'm not, I don't think I fully understand the implications of that, but, uh, it's probably more destructive. Yeah. And, and we see that and we see that in, in from an earthly point of view, um, that sexual sin has more earthly consequences. Um, and so it's, it's safe to assume that God holds, holds those sins to a higher standard than as well. Um, but I think it's also important just to make a distinction right away that that all sins equally send people to hell. Um, they equally yeah, like, deserve the wrath of God. Yeah. It's just the measure of the wrath of God that then comes into question. But then you have there, to think about there are how... certain there are certain weights of punishment that people yeah. will receive, and mm -hmm. some sins will will garner a greater punishment yeah and in matthew jesus is witnessing to different cities and whatnot and he comes across uh he's preaching to all these different cities and then uh he starts rebuking them at one point because they don't listen they they don't listen to to him and he even says uh like woe to you which is bad but uh <laughs> He said, nevertheless, I say to you that it'll be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. Um, and and to, to hear the gospel and to reject it, just once again, that's in coming back to you. Um, mm -hmm. That is such a huge deal. And he even says, for the, the miracles had occurred in, in Tyre and, and Sidon, which occurred in you, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. And basically saying, like, the miracles that, that you got to witness should have caused you to repent and realize mm -hmm. this is God and you didn't. And it's, it's, it's a huge judgment for such a thing, for such a lack of faith. Mm -hmm. uh, that's Matthew 11, by the way. Sure. Sure. 
so yeah, definitely different levels of, of uh, punishment for different things. And also our earthly law that God gave to us, not, not, not to us specifically, but to the Israelites that we see in the Bible that had different punishments and stuff like that as well. And so even from an earthly point of view, we as human beings hold different sins to different standards. And uh, some people will say, you know, well, all, all sins are the same. And, and uh, specifically for the purpose of saying that homosexuality isn't that bad is, yeah. you know, the Bible says that's an abomination to the Lord. And, and ironically, I mean, the Bible says lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, yeah. you know, uh, and hands that are quick to shed blood, things like that. So it's not just homosexuality. Yeah, but, lots, lots of things are an abomination to the Lord. Yeah. And so, and, and, you know, God hates lots of things and all over in scripture, you see that, um, especially in like Psalms and stuff like that. But uh, people will try to use the idea that God sees all sins the same as a reason to not condemn a certain sin, which is pretty funny. It's, 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 I shouldn't say funny. It's funny in a sad way, but, but it's, it's, it's so it's so illogical um but but people will just go back and say look you don't believe that you don't believe that all sins are the same because if if your wife cheated on you or lied to you you know if if your if your wife lied to you uh you'd be like okay that's that's fine we can get over this but if your wife cheated on you that's that's a whole different level of sin. And in fact, there are probably many, many more sins that led up to that too. And so you, it, you would, you would freak out if your wife cheated on you. Whereas if your wife just lied to you, you know, there's a very easy, you'd still be miffed. You'd still yeah. be- <laughs> and so, and so those are the kind of things you have to understand is that there's there, even, even we as human beings believe, we believe by, by nature that certain things are worse than others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think it's it's an, it's also important to to not get too far into that view to uh, the Catholic view of sin, where there are mortal and venial sins, right? So there's yeah. sins that you can basically do, and you're 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 okay, and you're not going to go to hell for them, uh, as long as you get forgiveness and all that stuff, right? But then there are some sins right. that, like, and, if you and do, you don't them, need to. And you don't need to get forgiveness from God. You need to get forgiveness from them. From yeah, from them. Um, but then there are there are other sins that were just like, well, sorry, if you commit that sin, you're done. Like, there's nothing you can do. You're gonna go to hell. Yeah. Um, right. And, and yeah. it's like that. I mean, you can't find that in scripture. No, you, you find exactly find that idea. the exact opposite, right? Such for some of you. <laughs> right. Yeah. That. So. So. Just once again, a a total attack on the Catholic Church that. They, they do not even kind of hold to what the Bible says is they are holding to man's authority. Whereas the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. Mm-hmm. Anyway, where were we? <laughs> I got lost in the Catholic church. It's <laughs> unfortunate. It is. Um, Scary so another, another thing I have noted on here as to like things related to sin, um, the subject of the sin. As to like who you are sinning against. Ah, uh, um, yeah, yeah, I already got that. Yeah. Um, what 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 verses do we have to bring up on that? What like thoughts do we have on on that uh, idea? Obviously, we have Jesus talking about this in uh, in the Gospels, right? Saying, you know, all the all the law and the prophets can be summed up in these two commandments, right? Love yeah. the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. 
on all of these hangs the law and the prophets, right? So the the first four commandments, you know, if you love God, you'll do those things. First, last six commandments, if you love your neighbor, whoever that may be, you will follow those things. Um, but yeah, what, what other thoughts do we have on that? Uh, Psalm 51.4 says, against you, and this is, this is David, um, against you, you only, I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. We have to have an understanding that even when we sin against our neighbor, we're, we're sinning against somebody who is created in the image of God. And so we're sinning against God. We're, we are in the image of God and we should be representing God's character and we're not. We've been given life. We've been given mercy. We've been given grace and yet we're sinning. And so ultimately, no matter what, you're sinning against God. And that's why. Uh, right. Because you're breaking his rule. Right. Yeah. 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 Even then, even if, yeah, you're still breaking his law. And so, uh, yeah. So ultimately you're sinning against God. Um, and obviously you can make a funny joke and say, so I only need to apologize to God when I sin. Awesome. But uh, obviously no, not. that's not how that works. You're, you're, you're ultimately sinning against God but you're still doing something wrong to another human being. Yeah. Yeah. That command love neighbor also mm -hmm. can, can be applied to, you have to be reconciled with the person that you sinned against as well as be reconciled to God and not to your forgiveness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so the, the last one, one other thing related to that, that is interesting that I, I think might, we might have a good discussion about is can you sin against yourself? Is that a thing that you can do? Are you? Do you count as a neighbor? Well, I live next to myself, so. <laughs> uh, I mean, until mirrors were invented, no. <laughs> are you? Are you trying to imply someone was lust after themselves? <laughs> no. No, obviously not. I um, the idea of who is my neighbor? Anybody you come across. Right. So. If I don't come across myself because there aren't any mirrors, you know. Uh, yeah, I think I honestly I've never really thought about that. But yeah, uh, did you did you come up with anything while you were? Uh... Well, so I mean, obviously, First Corinthians six eighteen says, "Flee from sexual immorality." Every other mm -hmm. sin is a person a person commits is outside the body, but the sexual immoral, immoral person sins against his own body. So there's that aspect that maybe we can come to, right? Like sexual sin is a sin against your own body. But is that, <coughs> is that the same thing as sinning, right. to, sinning against yourself? Yeah. Well, hold up. So the reason that's so bad that you're sinning against your own body in context after that verse is because you are the temple of God. That's the reason that he gives, mm. um, 618 flee immorality every other sin that a man commits is outside the body but the immoral man sins against his own body or do you not know that your body is a temple of the holy spirit who is in you whom you have from god and that you are not your own for you have been bought with the price therefore glorify god in your body so that's the reasoning that god gives mm -hmm. so essentially you're sinning against god and the reason why it's so bad is you're so mentally depraved that you're willing to sin against yourself, that your sin nature has even corrupted the, the, the God given like self preservation instinct. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and so I think, I think that's the idea is it's, it's, uh, 
you get to the idea that that Jeff Durbin is bringing up with with children of of how to how to teach your kids about the law of God. That if uh, you know a, a older sibling comes and says, "Hey, my younger sibling stole my stuff," you should say, "Oh, yeah, that's wrong. They shouldn't have stolen your stuff." Whereas you know, some, most of the time, us as parents—well, I shouldn't say us as parents, but Christian <laughs> parents are like, "Yo." share just share with each other yeah just give them your stuff let them have it why don't you just let them have your stuff and and that's provoking your children to anger which is like the only command that god gives to how to parent is don't provoke your kids to anger well that's not the only that's not the only command but it's 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 one of the most poignant yeah it's it's one of two commands in in the bible that god specifically gives to parents on how to uh, on, on something specific that that they can sin how they can sin against their children obviously they're supposed to raise them up in the fear and admonition of the lord and to teach them in all of god's ways but that's just the rest of it you know you're supposed to teach them how to do the rest of it that's that's one of two things i think i think the other thing is in ephesians 6 as well but uh yeah like that's that's there there's not a lot of verses that say parents do this you know, for your kids or do that to your kids. It's, it's just one of two things. And that's one of them is do not provoke your kids to anger. There's nothing more provoking your kids to anger than to say, yeah. Well then to, know, to disregard God's law. Right. Yeah, to like disregard that. God's law in the sense that I own things. These <laughs> things are mine. And that's, that's a God given right to say yeah this is mine and it's the same thing with my life god has given god has given me this life right god has got his breathed life into me he has created me he has formed me in my mother's womb he has he has you know formed like created me before the foundation of the world he has he's planned for me to exist uh I, you know foreordained my life and for for me to care so little about that that i would harm that life we to value our life is a good thing. Now, would we ever go into the idea that there should be a, a level of self-love? No. In the sense that, you know, I oh, I just need to love myself or I can't even love other people unless I love myself. It's it's you have an innate value that is natural part of who you are with an understanding that God has given you life and you need to value that life. So you don't, you shouldn't take your life. You shouldn't harm your life. You, you know, in any way you should, you should value your life, but uh, self-love turns into, well, I need to focus on myself more. We, we already focus on ourselves enough. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's, that's the idea. And, 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 you know, you, you get into ideas of, of mental health. Okay. What do you do with somebody who actually hates themselves? Um, and, and it's, it's a, it's a mental issue. And and I would just direct you to the episode we did on mental health. Um, but just to reiterate the idea that those are actual things and they are diseases, they are mental diseases that people have that is bad. And, you know, that needs to be worked out. But the, uh, the solution is not love yourself. The solution is the gospel because there is a very real sense in which we have to hate ourselves because we are sinners. The idea is not that we continue to hate ourselves or let that be the the focal point or the payment for our sin is to hate ourselves. We turn to Christ who already paid our sins mm-hmm. and and let that be the answer to the solution and let that be where we find our worth and value is in Christ and in God and let that be the solution to any type of mental health issue because you go to the truth 
of the Bible, you go to truth, not feel good sayings of you need to love yourself. Anyway, I kind of had to wrap that up that little tangent, but yeah, sinning against yourself. I think, I think that is obviously a, a, a depravity, but um, yeah, the answer is the same as every other thing, you know, you know, you, you, you take that, you take that and you say, okay, you know, if, if, if you can compare how, how you need to treat yourself to how you should treat other people, which is what God does compare it to, you know, is that how you'd witness to somebody? You know, I love you. That's all that matters. Or you just need to love yourself or, you know, see all these people that they love you or even to, to, to lie to them and say, Oh, you see how much God loves you. It doesn't matter what you do. And, and, you know, that's, that's the opposite way of how we preach the gospel to somebody. So that's the opposite way of how we should treat ourselves when we come to these ideas of self-hatred and, and depression and any type of mental um, issues that we have within our own minds is we present truth and the gospel and we preach to ourselves truth and the gospel, not self-love. Mm-hmm. Does that wrap up that idea? Yeah, just yeah, to so. add a little bit onto that, um, I was watching in CSU today, we were actually watching some uh, clips from Wretched, and um, yes. and so one of his um, had, had it was talking about um, having joy as a Christian, and um, part of it had Paul Washer talking about, um, talking about that, and he said, when he looks in the mirror, he doesn't have confidence. He doesn't have joy. He doesn't love what's in the mirror, but he has confidence and joy and love for God because he knows that he's made in the image of God and all of that. And so when we approach sin, we should look at it in that way that like, we are not only sinning against ourselves in a way, but more importantly, we're sinning against God. The only way to fix that, issue of sin is to go to God. Right. Yeah. And so, and so, uh, when we witness to people, that's something I like to always come back to as well. And, uh, when, when you bring people through some of the 10 commandments and you try to teach them, you know, how they have sinned, when you're trying to explain to somebody how they have sinned, you, you have to define it as the, the two greatest commandments and separate the two between horizontal sins and vertical sins and to say it's a very easy segue to judgment day is you know you can sin against the people around you all you want and and you're going to face consequences for that um but god is storing up his wrath um and you know our problem is not mainly vertical i'm sorry our problem is not mainly horizontal it's mainly vertical you know, the people around you, they're not going to, you're not going to be judging you when you're dead. It's going to be God who judges you when you're dead. That's the issue. The issue is you have to face God on judgment day. And so that's, that's, that's what, that's what, uh, you know, whenever I'm taking people through the 10 commandments is I say, okay, now these are the vertical ones. You, you under, I'm sorry. These are the horizontal ones. I always confuse that with people too. And they think that's funny, (laughs) but, uh, you know, these are the horizontal <laughs> sins and that's bad. These are the diagonal ones. Yeah. Now <laughs> let's go to the vertical sins, how you've sinned against God. That's where it gets scary. 
And uh, I think that's very important because if, if I'm just saying don't steal, don't lie, don't murder, don't commit adultery, those are all, uh, you know, just moral. That's just moralistic preaching. You know, they, they get that from the world around them. But if we need to talk about you have a problem with God, then you have to talk about how they sin against God. And you can tell them, yeah, you've sinned against God because you've done these things to other people and God has told you not to. Um, but then how about how you've directly sinned against God? Blasphemy. You've not always loved him. You've made up your own God in your own image to suit your own desires and needs and, and whatever. And those are the sins that... Uh, really get you 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 mentioned um self-love briefly and i just wanted to add on to that that um sheologians did i think it was a whole episode on self-love and self-pity those kind of ideas and fleshing out those and how we respond to those as christians so if you want to hear more about that kind of discussion then yes yeah (laughs) listen to that what's the episode called just I think something along the lines of self-love and self-pity. Okay. I'm not exactly sure what the exact title is. That's fine. I'll find it. Thank you. I know that was mainly for the listeners, but... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, so there's also the manner of sin. So what's the difference between sins of commission and sins of omission? Oh yeah, okay. I get what, get what I'm saying? Yeah. Did you want to take that, Carly? Or? Um, no. I know I've heard the terms recently, but I'm trying to okay. figure out what they mean. Can't remember the definitions. No. Yeah. So yeah, sins of commission. So I did a thing that was wrong. Sins of omission. Oh, I yeah, didn't yeah. do a thing that I knew yeah. was good. Yeah. Yeah. So, I was listening to the um, the lecture series on Legionnaire about the Westminster Confession. That's so that's where I heard those. <laughs> Legionnaire. Yeah. Ligon- so it's it's pronounced Ligonier. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I, I that's <laughs> nope. That's how I, that's how I used to pronounce it too. No, yeah, we totally did too. It's just funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh irrelevant. Uh no, so so that's one thing that I always um like to get to. There's there's a few verses that uh to me is what this is the verses that I always go to 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 prove to somebody that they've literally never done anything good in their entire life, and uh, you know that's not an enjoyable conversation to have. But uh, so I always go to First Corinthians ten thirty one, um, which says whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do do all to the glory of God. And, you know, I mean, that's essentially the first commandment and the second commandment and the third commandment and the fourth commandment to do everything to the glory of God. Obviously, mainly the first commandment though, is to, to love God above all else. And uh, so have you, have you done that all the time? Absolutely not. You know what I mean? Like you take, you take somebody to that idea and they're like, I mean, obviously they have to say, well, I don't care about God. And it's like, well, you probably should. But uh, like, that's how to say to somebody, look, you've sinned against God because you are supposed to do everything to the glory of God. Um, and then I go to James 4.17, which hits this idea. Um, 
Therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. So, one more time. Therefore, to, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. So, even, so that's, that's a sin of omission. So, a sin of commission is I've done something. I've done something that is sinful. A sin of omission is I know the right thing to do, and yet I fail to do it. And James 4.17 says, then you're in sin. Because you knew there was a better, even, even the idea of you did something and there was a better choice. You could have done something greater. You could have done this, this choice and you were aware of it. it you know, that's, that's this sin of omission is, oh, um, I, I could go and witness to that person right now. I have this opportunity to witness to this person. And I, I know that'd be a good thing if I did it, but eh, I'm too comfortable right now. Like that's, that's sin. That's sin. And then uh, if people are still convinced, you can always go to Romans 14, 23, which is very interesting. Um, but he who doubts is condemned if he eats because his eating is not from faith. And whatever is not from faith is sin. So even if you do something and it's, it, you weren't doing it because you had faith that it was the right thing to do, then it was sin. So even the careless things that we do of uh, not really sure if I should do this, you know, I'm, I'm doubting myself. I, I, you know, I, I'll, I'll just do it anyway. You know, that's sin even then. So, so you've got everything you've done is sin, unless you were trying to glorify God with it. The things that you uh, didn't do that you should have done, that's sin. And then even the things that you did that you weren't sure was the right thing to do, that was sin too. So, so those are the most blanket statements that you can make about sin is first Corinthians 10 31, James 4 17 and Romans 14 23. Cool. I, I'm just, I just have to pose questions and then people answer them for me. It's pretty great. <laughs> so what about this, this idea of manifestation? So the internal versus the external, right? We, 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 mentioned this briefly uh, but the idea of right it's obviously a sin to physically actually externally murder someone but it's also mm -hmm. a sin to internally murder someone so to hate mm -hmm. them in your heart mm -hmm. what's the difference between those two things are why are they like are they equal like what, what what's going on there obviously they're important and it's still sin because jesus brought it up so i would say the physical Earthly consequences for them are different. Um, the I would rather that you hated me than actually murdered me. Yeah. <laughs> but in God's eyes, to show to, to for God to show that he's his standard is higher than ours, um, he says, I see that as murder because I know if I had given you the opportunity, you would have done this. That's the idea is if, if, uh, if you were given the right motive, you were given the right opportunity, you would do that. And that's the same with lust is if you knew you could get away with this, if, if, uh, uh, Kent Martin described it as, uh, you know, people that give their yes, people put their yes on the table, you know, of, of, uh, you know, Hey, I'm interested if you're, if you're interested, you know, that, that whole idea that if somebody was to do that, you know, that becomes a lot more tempting. 
And that's because it's a matter of the heart is it's not about the, the fact that you're going around and sleeping everywhere. It's the fact that if you were given the right opportunity and you knew you could get away with it, you would, you would do it because that's what's in your heart. And so that's why when, uh, that's why like people like Paul Washer are so big on never going anywhere alone. And, uh, and, um, there was this, there was this, uh, some type of like sermon or like questionnaire thing that he was at and he brought his son with him and, uh, they, somebody asked him, um, or I think, I, I think I'm confusing the story at some point in his life. Cause, cause he, he just told this story at some sort of conference or whatever that, that somebody asks him, uh, you know, stuff about like things of the, the restrictions that he gave for his son and, and stuff like that. Of, I'm not letting his son do certain things. And, and he was like, and they were like, you know, what, Paul, you don't trust your son. And, and you know, as if, as if they, you know, that's the issue is you don't trust your son. And he's like, I, I don't trust my son. I don't trust his father. <laughs> that, you know, like, that's the idea is I know what I'm like. He's, he's just like me, if not worse. And so that's, that's the mindset we have to come in to sexual sin, especially with the mindset of, especially with the warning of flee sexual immorality because you can't fight it because if given the opportunity, your heart will be willing to do pretty much anything. And so, yeah. And, and obviously we go back to the idea that it's only by the grace of God that we're not in sin, that our, our wills are, our depravity is being just restrained. And uh, so, so that's, that's, that's a blessing from God in itself. That's uh, you know, we'd have a lot more Hitlers if God, with withhold withheld his grace you know uh you know if 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 and, and i'm and, and hitler himself was not as bad as he could have been and and you know god could it could have fully let someone's depravity run loose and made hitler look like a choir boy you know like that's that's the idea you had to come back to is the absolute wicked and depravity of the human heart and god sees that and god understands that and that's terrifying. Uh, people always people always go to the verse in in First Samuel seventeen when when King David is uh, you know um, going to be chosen and anointed as king, and people are always go to that verse where it says you know man looks on the outside but God looks on the heart. And uh, I'm like, yeah, that's <laughs> they use horrifying. that as a comforting thing, and it's not. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah <laughs> like you know, e- even though these people are like beautiful and 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 they seem externally nice, remember God knows the heart, and so He knows that you're a good person and He loves you. Right. But that's right. not. That's no. Right. <laughs> right. And so and and you know the idea that is being presented there, granted, you know, is that God saw King David's heart mm-hmm. and King David's heart was wasn't after. as wicked as yeah, yeah as, it was, was seeking after God. It was it, mm-hmm. King David was called a man after God's own heart um, by God himself. So, so you, you have to understand that, like that concept of it, but the fact that God sees the human heart, that is terrifying. Mm-hmm. Absolutely terrifying. And if it isn't, you don't know your own heart very well or you don't know yourself. God. Or you yeah. don't know God very well. Yeah. Um, and those things are very, very connected. Um, so, yeah. So, that's – what was the top – oh, yeah, the heart thing. And, so okay, so people will say – people will say, like, like, okay, so should we then hold people to the same standard 
if they hate somebody as if they have murdered them and should be start giving out capital punishment for people who murder people or if people murder of the heart. And I would say absolutely not because they didn't carry out that action. Yeah. The uh, Bible doesn't command that. It says exactly, it's a sin, but it commands capital punishment for someone who murders. Right. Specific. Exactly. So that's, yeah, that's, that's the idea. Yeah, I honestly, that's actually a good, great segue. Cause I wanted to talk about that too. Um, right. Okay, the difference cool. between a sin and a crime. I yeah. think, I think we, we, we don't, this is really, really important when we're yeah. talking about government and yeah. sin is to not get those two things confused because there is a whole bunch of stuff that is a sin that God does not have a criminal punishment for in his law. Right. He's like, no, you don't, you do not get to punish someone in a criminal court for doing this thing. It's still bad. And they're, right. and I'm going to judge them right eternally for this, mm-hmm. but because of God's standards of justice and his standards of, um, what, what can be reasonably proven and not abused, um, in a human court, uh, those things are important and they, they reflect God's character and God's character of like truthfulness too. Um, so a couple of things here, right? God has very, very strict punishments in, in his law for, um, in Old Testament law for like, right. Rape, kidnapping, murder, those things, right. Um, because of how heinous they are in terms of external consequences, the, the way that it destroys communities and, and people's lives. Um, because uh, the law for right in, in the Old Testament is about reconciliation. It's about reconciling a criminal, someone who disrupts the community in such a way, breaks God's law in such a way that it makes uh, recon- uh, uh, reconciliation have to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about reconciliation. That's what God's law is about. It's about reconciling this person back to the community so that they can all live in this, uh, still following the law like we're supposed to and, and be able to love each other without this baggage um making people sin against this person or treat this person differently than than another um and so right this this period of reconciliation has to happen right so if if someone steals some something they have to pay it back and if they don't have the money they have to work to pay it back mm-hmm. once that's finished though that's it the reconciliation is complete and mm-hmm. no one people have to forgive that person that's that's the that's the whole point but you know, right? There's some sins that it's so heinous of, of an act. Uh, the external consequences are so great. There's no reconciliation possible, mm-hmm. and so these things have to be punished through capital punishment, right? So this person has to die because of the the way they've defiled the image of God in in this uh, either like kidnapping, rape, or murder. Yeah. Okay. Um, so le- let me just yeah, go ahead clarify mm-hmm. that that's the point of of governmental law as God's word has, has put it right. And in, in civil law and old Testament law, that's what it was for. And so, but there's still the idea of forgiveness being different than reconciliation. Yeah. That we are commanded as Christians to forgive everyone of things that they do wrong to us because God has forgiven us of our sins. So who are we to hold a grudge against somebody now I'd say the difference is, are we supposed to forgive that person? Yes, but we do not have to reconcile to them unless they show remorse and and pay the penalty right. for what they've unless done. Unless the I penalty, yeah, unless due process has been done, they've paid the penalty from their for their crime. Yeah, yeah. I, 
yeah. And, and seeing, actually seeing right now a situation where, you know, somebody uh, had, had done something against their friend and did not show proper remorse right away. And, and this person had a really hard time forgiving them because there was no price that had to be paid. There was no, uh, there wasn't a reconciliation. Yeah. Yeah. There was, and then there was, well, there wasn't any reconciliation because there was no punishment. Right. Because there was so, no offer of, 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 uh, payment back. Right. Exactly. Like in that sense is look, I'm sorry for what I'm, for what I've done. Let me make it up to you. Let me yeah. repay you. Let me, let me do something to show you how sorry I am for this thing. Um, you know, so for instance, you know, and if I've done something wrong, you know, I can very easily just make up excuses for it or, or even have the audacity to say, well, then they're being wrong for not forgiving me mm-hmm. when I need to be focused on my sin. Yeah. And the reason that they're having such a hard time forgiving me is because I've hardened my heart like this. Mm-hmm. And that's such a, that's, that's something that I've been, I've been learning recently with the idea of reconciliation and law and that forgiveness and reconciliation are two separate things. And that a Christian should forgive somebody, but does not have to reconcile with them unless there is a proper payment that has been made. Now, I think the difference there between a human law and and God's law, or I, I should say a, a horizontal sin and a vertical sin, yeah, is because that's still God's law, the yeah. things that he has set yeah. for restrictions of how we should treat other people, is... There needs to be recon. Um, there needs to be a a reconciliatory, if that's a word, reconciliatory, reconciliatory, uh, punishment for a human being when they do something, so that the the person has an easier time forgiving them. When somebody sins against God, the only thing that can show them forgiveness is through the sacrificial work of Jesus Christ, and even that points us to the gospel then, because. Hey, look, this is what needs to be done between a human and a human when they sin against each other. But when you sin against me, it takes the sacrifice of my only son, Jesus Christ, to atone for that sin. It takes the and it's and it's not that the horizontal sins don't need to be atoned for, but the reconciliation isn't you can't reconcile with God in any meaningful way. There's nothing you can give God in any right. meaningful way to be able to reconcile externally right. for that that right. sin. And, and yeah, and so yeah, God has to do it himself. Yeah, the, even if, so, let's say I steal from somebody. And I pay the penalty to reconcile with that person that has not made me right in God's eyes in the sense that there still needs to be punishment because I've sinned against God. Because the the punishment, the, the payment that you've made is a temporary external payment. Yeah. Not to reconcile myself to a person, to, not to not pay to, the penalty not for to God. God. Yeah. 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 That's why the old Testament sacrificial system ultimately didn't cover anyone. Well, it covered people's sins. It temporarily right. yeah. made them quote unquote even with right. like yeah. their own sin. Right. But it didn't pay for any sins. It didn't right. you know, people would sacrifice an animal or offer a grain offering in order to cover something that they had done. Right. And then to once a year God's there wrath. was Yeah. And there was a day of atonement where there would be immense sacrifices for everything that the people yeah. had possibly missed right and like even that that didn't do enough right because you can't be reconciled to god through 
especially something that he's already given you like yeah, everything right. that we have is from him yeah. so we can't right. give him that back and expect that that pays anything mm -hmm. right like even our own works like our bodies and our minds and everything is given to us from god so yeah ultimately it's all his doing yeah so we can't in any way give anything back to him and so we right. need christ to die because that is a gift from god to us and yet it covers us like nothing else that he's given us could On, yeah i'm serious though like i could literally go up to a person and be like hey what's your view on like punishments and governmentally and get to the gospel from there if if mm -hmm. i can if i can rightly explain to them how a government should work with a witness of their conscience that they know what I'm saying is true because this is the Bible. I can lead somebody to the gospel because I have a right understanding and right theology of how the government and how law should work. This is why theology matters. Yeah. So the, the place I was, I wanted to, to get to you because we're talking about um, internal and external sins though, too is um right there's a because there's a difference between a crime and a sin um we have to remember that when we're thinking about law um and, and thinking about governmental law um because our most of our laws right now um are about sins and not crimes um mm -hmm. they're trying to preemptively stay things right preemptively uh keep people from doing things that are crimes be, by by making it illegal for them to do sins yep. um and the issue with that is god hates that <laughs> that's the issue right is that he has not prescribed that in his law and so yeah. right someone may say a christian may say but wait a second this is the old testament law i thought jesus you know we don't need to follow the old testament law anymore sort of a thing um, one, I don't know where you're getting that from because Jesus said he came to fulfill the law and, and not abolish it. And he, everyone was very specific in the new Testament about what laws were going away and yeah, what the okay, reasoning that's what was. I was gonna say. That's yeah, what I was going to say. It's, exactly. It's, and what the reasoning yeah. for each of those was, right. um, the issue we have here is when we're looking at, all right, how should a government run unless we base it on the old Testament law? We have nothing else to base it on. Yeah, there's. So yeah. it's we have we have two options. We base it on God's law, or we make it up. And right. I don't know about you, but it seems like God's <laughs> law is much better. And I don't just yeah. reading through it makes it so obvious to me that it's better because right. it's about and your conscience bears witness yes. to it. That's the main thing that you get back to is is you read that kind of stuff and you're horrified by it and you're mortified by it and you're like, wow, that's cruel and that's evil. And then you think about it and you're like, but this is how God sees it. And that's when your conscience starts bearing witness to mm -hmm. put your, like, put yourself in that position. Okay. This person has stolen something from me. What, what should, what's justice? Not what is arbitrary forgiveness because not even God does that. Yeah, not God even not, God as God does not break the law for love as yeah. uh, a certain yeah. popular preacher he likes to say. Um, and but, we can name names, Stephen Furtick. Yes, um, I just could. I honestly couldn't remember his name at oh, the, okay. in, in the moment Great. when I said that. Good, that's um, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. He instead kept the law for love. Yes, God. God did not break His law in order to pay the price for our sins, and and that he then specifically it, yes. followed His own law in order to pay for our sins. Exactly, yes. and He paid for the sin, yeah. right? And so we have to have that understanding when it comes to law and you look at old testament law and you think 
okay, everything's pointing to Jesus. Everything's pointing to the gospel. And then it fits perfectly because you're thinking, oh, we're not just supposed to arbitrarily forgive people. There's needs to be a, a, a payment for what needs to, for, that's what needs to happen because they've done something wrong to me. They now owe me something. And that we have to have that idea because that's justice. That's justice. And our conscience bears witness to that. We understand that that's justice. And, you know, if you don't want justice, then, then you can forgive that person. You can do that. That's that's but, what's you know what's awesome. Like literally, that's in the law. Yeah, yeah. it's in the law that if you, as a person, like you've been say say you you were kidnapped by this person, yeah, and then you were returned, then this mm-hmm. person is like going through the court process and like is is going to have to pay for their sin, and they're going to have to die because of what they did to you. Because God takes the treatment of human life in that way very seriously. That's why chattel slavery in in uh, the old old America was so horrible. Is because it. It very specifically went against God's law in in kidnapping these Africans and 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 taking them over to work as slaves. Um, but this person, right, the person who's been who's the victim, has the right in God's law to forgive that person and stay their punishment. They can say if they want to, yep. no, don't kill that person, and that is that's completely within their right, and that's good and just because it's the person they were the ones who were wrong who was wronged. Right. Um. What isn't what isn't right is for everyone else to arbitrarily decide. Actually, I think that's a cruel punishment, and so mm-hmm. we're going to get rid of that punishment. No, it's up to the victim. Obviously, it's up right. to God to set and- the standard, mm-hmm. but the victim can at any point be like, no, I they don't need to pay that punishment. I forgive right. them anyway. Right, and, and, and so here's – just to clarify my position there mm-hmm. is if, if, that's, if, if, if that's been done to me, I need to understand I – I, I shouldn't ignore the issue. And I think that's what Christians love to do is they think that God's idea of forgiveness is, yeah, it doesn't matter. I'm yeah. ignoring it. I ignore I'm it. Yeah. About it. It's fine. And that's, then that's how Christians act when people sin against them is, well, I'll just ignore it. And that's not the loving thing to do to them because they need to, to show that there are consequences for their actions. Yeah. But then you're also not showing justice. You're not, you're not representing justice. Um, uh, what's his name? Pastor, Pastor Jerry Dean. I was Jerry... literally about to tell yeah. the story. Yeah. <laughs> Pastor Go ahead. Jerry Dean. He, uh, um, he, God, every time I tell the story, I think about, it was his dad, I think, right? Jerry's yeah. dad. Yeah. Well, yeah. I just always think about like, I wonder if he is okay with us telling this story. I'm sure Whenever... he is. He, he told it publicly, so I'm sure yeah. he's fine, but yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. So he said that his, uh, his dad, Right. This is a story about his dad and his and his brother. And so um, so this uh, this son right goes to this camp and uh, at this camp, you know, like these three boys um, just brutally just beat the snot out of him and basically left him for dead. And he like literally his wounds could like could have killed him. And, uh, you know, he was rushed to the hospital and, and he, you know, turned out to be OK. But uh, like he literally was attacked and could have died. And, uh, so his dad, like, like was counseling, like his family and, and like other church members and stuff like that are trying to figure out, okay, like, like, how should I handle this as a Christian, right? How do I like show them the gospel in this as a Christian? And so what he did is they prosecuted the people. They, they, they were like, okay, we're going to prosecute you. You have to court, take them to court. You have to pay the punishment what you've done. I want to see justice happen. Okay. He got them convicted 
And they're, then this was their sentence and they had to, you know, whatever. And he then, so he got them convicted. This was his doing. And then in the court, as soon as the, you know, they were, uh, you know, had their punishment, they had to pay it. He then went up and paid their fine. And so he, he purposefully like, okay, so, so here's the easy way out. Okay. Oh, that's okay. I'm a Christian. I forgive you. Okay. Um, or even could go so far as to say, look, you know, this was really bad that you did that, but I'm a Christian. So I forgive you. And that's okay. Now, instead he said, look, this is the problem. This is the consequence for what you have done. You have to face this. And then once they fully understood the gravity and the weight of their sin, then he paid the price for them and said, okay. And he paid their fine, like literally physically paid their fine. And, <laughs> and, and Pastor Jerry Dean said, that's the godliest thing he's ever seen anybody do ever. And, and I agree. I mean, I mean, that's the gospel. That's yeah, I the mean, gospel. yeah. Like you were saying, like God doesn't just ignore sin. He literally did the opposite in, he yeah. makes us confront the weight of our sin, and then he sent Christ to the cross to pay for all of it, to literally become sin for us. Right. And it's like, that's the, that's the opposite of ignoring it. That's confronting right. it head on, but right. still making the people responsible for Christ's death face what they've done right. and realize how much of a, a gift Christ, Christ's suffering was for us. Right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that, I mean, so Christians have a right theology and understanding of law mm-hmm. and that we have to shape everything based on the Bible and more specifically based off of the, the principle set in the gospel. What is the gospel? And let, let that understanding then shape the rest of scripture, because that was what God was trying to do was to point to the gospel. Yeah. And so if you truly understand the gospel and yet you have all these false beliefs about all these different theologies, then, then take the idea that is presented in the gospel, the principle that is presented in the gospel, that there is sin. It is horrible, evil, and wicked. And there has to be a punishment. There has to be a payment. God doesn't just ignore it, but he paid for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then commands everyone everywhere to repent. Let that idea shape your understanding of love, shape your understanding of how to love your neighbor, shape your understanding of how law works, because that's how you love your neighbor. And let that define everything. Let that let define everything. And and like as of as as a Christian, then we should be against healthcare. Like, think about that. Not wow. healthcare. Free healthcare. I'm sorry. <laughs> against government government funded against healthcare. Government funded yeah, free serious. healthcare. Yeah. Because then the church can't step in and provide that love for them. Yeah. Instead, the government is stealing from people. Yeah. Yeah, it's not the government's job to do that either. Right. To yeah. provide that free healthcare. And then that's also encouraging people that they don't have to work for their wages. And Paul says, if you don't work, you don't eat. So we have all these principles set in scripture that the world is ignoring. And yet we as Christians so easily buy into this idea and this principle and this philosophy of the world, because we're defining love and we're defining what's right. And we're defining truth 
based upon our culture, based upon our tradition, based upon yeah. our experience and not based upon the word of God. Yeah. Yeah. And so going back to, to try to kind of like actually get to the point I keep, I, I kept trying to make, um, and then we keep, Sorry. we keep, no, it's, it's fine. Like these are all good tangents. Um, but, but on this point as well, right? Like the difference between a sin and a crime, um, there, there are lots of things in God's law where he's like, yes, this is a thing that needs to be punished by, you know, the civil magistrate because of its consequences, because of its, uh, disregard for, for, um, a human's well-being, um, their property, various things like that. Right. The issue is God's law has limits on those things. It has limits on what can be prosecuted as a crime and what is just a sin that does need to be paid for, like through the sacrificial system, but is not someone can't come to another person and, and get the government to coerce them to do something because right. they did this thing. And so, so we have lots of situations where um, things like uh, reckless driving or yeah. like, I mean, being reckless in a lot of different ways. Um, scripture gives us examples of if you are reckless and it leads to the destruction of property or the hurt, hurt harm of another human being, then you have to be prosecuted for that. But if you're just being reckless, all, all no right, punishment. yeah, you were probably sinning, but no one right. can no one can take, punish you for right. making a dumb decision that didn't hurt anyone. Mm -hmm. um, and this is an, a really really important concept, guys, because anyone who has to be listening to this, because this is about sin. This is about whether or right. not we are sinning by prosecuting someone in the criminal justice system. Yep. Um, because if we are legalistic and we try to make a standard that God doesn't set, then we are Pharisees. We are sinning and we need to repent of that. And so if someone is right, if we have a system, if our government has a system where it's like, all right, yeah, if you do this, this one thing that stops even out, you know, a, a tiny little bit out of the line of acceptable behavior, but it doesn't okay, let's, even let's get take, let's, let's, Okay. It well, doesn't I even get, give you an example. I, I know, but I want to get, get, okay. actually finish the sentence first. Um, uh, get without actually even getting close to the standard that God has set, right? Um, and and we punish someone for that. What we're doing is we are placing a man-made rule above God's law, and we are spitting on God's justice because God wants there to be um, due process that that says two or three independent lines of witness that prove that this person has done something out of line with God's law and it is punishable by this by the civil magistrate if yeah. it doesn't fit those criteria it's not a crime and it shouldn't be treated as a crime so example Connor smoking weed yes I'm not harming anybody I could potentially put someone in danger because I'm high mm -hmm. and I'm being reckless or something like that but until I do that thing until you actually have until, done that thing. Yeah, until I actually am harming another human being or or harming another person's property, I have done nothing wrong against you. And that's the idea. And, and people will say, well, you know, you know, they're bothering me. They annoy me. And it's like, you're literally saying that because somebody annoys you, they should go to jail. They should yep. leave your presence. And what kind of an unloving way of living is that mm -hmm. from a Christian perspective? Um, that, that we absolutely should say, look, the Bible says not to be under the power of anything. And you're literally purposely putting yourself in a, a reckless situation. And also 
ignoring thinking about things. I mean, that's as principle said in Ecclesiastes seven that that we need to be serious and 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 dwell on on death and to understand this is the end of all man, and we need to take that seriously and and not be always joyful all the time and ignoring the 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 pain and and the seriousness and the gravity and the weight of sin and what's around us and and that we're all going to die one day and we have to face that and so people do that with weed people do that with all sorts of things they ignore their problems they ignore their issues so that's absolutely sin mm-hmm. and we can say that biblically that smoking weed is sin because you're being brought on the power of something and you're there's no good reason for it um and you could talk about medically yeah, that's great. Whatever. That's totally fine. Yeah, no, there are, there are people who like because because yeah. because so specifically marijuana is actually not addictive. Yeah. Um you you can't get addicted to marijuana in right. in, in in any meaningful fashion. You can very right. much get addicted to many of the drugs that we peddle in our healthcare system. Right. Um and and so for you know, for some reason we've arbitrarily decided that weed is bad. Um right. but uh <laughs> obviously, yeah, you can you can just smoke weed and then you know, get bliss out of your mind and then yeah, of course you're right. sinning and like disregarding god's uh principle of the matter there right but you're right. not a criminal right and and so that's that's the idea is we're literally sending people to jail which is a horrible punishment for anything anyway and jail um, isn't even a punishment in god's no, law at all no and so and that's what we're doing for something that they're not doing against another human being they're not trying they're not harming another human being that's the issue is they're not harming another human being and so we have to get back to why do we punish people? Is it because we like to see people hurt? Is it because we like to see that people get punished for things that that maybe we don't do? And so let's put our let's place power over in our in ourselves over other people. That's yeah. called oppression. And God says He hates the oppressor. Yeah. You know, go to Isaiah one. You know, uh, so uh, yeah. We um, another another example that I thought was really good was um. Angel was in the Dominican Republic uh, visiting his family. Angel and Ashley are good friends of ours. He's Angel's been on the podcast before. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in the Dominican Republic visiting his family, and he he said that since the last time he'd been there, he was like he was telling me about this. He was like, "Wow, it, you know, it seemed a lot more rich. Like people were were richer. There were like people in nice suits, like walking around doing stuff. It was still like kind of a uh, kind of you know, just, you know, bad parts of of neighborhoods and stuff like that, like everywhere, right? But he he was remarking of how like um more capitalistic it was for some for some reason he's like it's interesting because um like i know that the dominican republic does not have the crazy amount of law that america does with all these like really specific regulations and stuff right because they just don't have the probably mostly because they don't have the enforcement they don't have the manpower to to enforce those things um but he was remarking about upon how yeah like it's a little crazy there sometimes and we always made it make the joke about dominican driving now because uh, angel keeps making the joke um yes. where it's like a little crazy right and and it would be illegal in america to drive some of the ways that people drive there um but he was like but we don't need to make that illegal that's not the, that's not how you solve the problem he was he was talking about how um uh they, some people were like blasting music like all through the night like literally all night they were mm-hmm. outside these like houses just in the like the the courtyard like outside these uh, this residential block just like blasting music and partying all night long and like angel and ashley could not go to sleep the entire night but angel angel was like you know a couple years ago 
I think I might have been like, man, there needs to be a law for this. There needs to be people out here like breaking up this party and like sending everybody home, you know, through the arm of the government. But he was like, I think you've influenced me, Caleb, because I immediately was like, (laughs) no, that's not what they need. They just need the gospel, right? Mm -hmm. They need to be told you need to love your neighbor and they need to be shown that through the gospel. They need to be shown that if you truly love your neighbor, you won't play music into the middle of the night and wake Mm -hmm. and keep everybody up because that's unleveling to your neighbor, but it's not a crime and it shouldn't be punished as a crime because it doesn't actually hurt anyone. Right. Okay. So if all these ideas are radical to you, I just want you to understand this is that they're radical to you. And they're radical to to all of us. I mean, I mean, five years ago, that idea would have been extremely radical to me. I would not have I would not have believed that. But the more you read your Bible, the more you are being sanctified, the more you understand that what this world is, what this world's standards are, and what these ideas are that the world has presented, are all been have been, you know, placed upon us all of our lives, and so our minds have been conforming to these things. And we need a renewal of mind and we need to meditate on scripture and let that define all those things for us. I always try to get people to be like, like, don't be afraid to come to the conclusion that every single thing you've ever done is wrong up until you became a Christian. And then you were given the ability to do what is right because you're doing something that is pleasing to God. And if you think that you have the audacity to say that everything that you are now doing is right, every thought and idea that you had is now right because you've changed a few things after you become a Christian, then you don't understand the depravity of man. You don't understand the goodness of God. You need to to further the gap on those things and understand that we have a lot farther of a way to go before we're worshiping God in everything that we do. And so take this with a grain of salt because we're young people who, you know, are probably wrong about plenty of things. Sure. Assuredly wrong about plenty of things, but go to your Bibles and be like, okay, what does the word of God have to say? And let's let that define truth, not the culture. And in fact, let's make the assumption that the culture is wrong. Yeah. Let's start with that assumption. That is, that is such a good idea. Start with the assumption that everything in the world is wrong and start with a clean slate and yeah. come to the Bible and be like, everything yeah. here is right. <laughs> Go to First John 2. If you love the world, the love of God is not in you. Mm-hmm. That should terrify you if, if, if you're so much like the culture that you can't tell the difference between nationalism and Christianity. Yeah. So uh, we need to really consider those things. Of how, how should a Christian nation look? And America is not a Christian nation. How do I know that? Because of what the word of God says, not because we printed it on our money. People are liars. Like God yeah. be true and every man a liar. Yeah. 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 Our nation definitely doesn't trust in God as a whole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and like granted, there was a lot of Christian principles that it was originally mm-hmm. founded on, but even, yeah. even then, like it's still like, it's not a Christian nation. It's not no. like a, uh, perfect governmental system even even yeah. democracy in and of itself is flawed from the beginning because it, it again it relies it's, it's upon a, the goodness of man yeah right yeah. It, it's it's an issue with the heart and that's what we have to get back to all of this is an issue of the heart and it won't be solved through laws um it, it, won't it will be not be solved, solved through by regulation one way or the other it won't I be mean, solved that, by voting that's what we need to understand with abortion as well is we're not going to solve abortion by by putting power into the hands of politicians since when is mm-hmm. that 
since when has that solved anything? No, it's just made everything worse. And if you, you, even a brief cursory look at American history can tell you that. Right. Right. Okay. When, when Donald Trump was elected as president, I posted on my Facebook and I was like, why are we all celebrating? Why are all the Christians celebrating? I don't understand that we have just elected an evil man into office. Yep. And I just, I don't understand. And somebody wrote on there and said, calm down. Just, just think about the fact that abortion has been dealt a huge blow. I'm still waiting to see the result of that. Yeah. I'm still waiting. Yeah. I'm still waiting to see Trump do anything. Donald Trump hasn't abortion. done anything. Yeah. In exactly. fact, it's gotten worse. It's gotten worse. So, so let's, let's stop putting hand power in the hands of politicians and let's put hands in the power of God. Power hands, in the hands of God. Hands in the power of God. <laughs> hands in the power put of God. the hand in the Let's power of God. Our hands. I imagine like Thanos just like. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. Let's let's start with that mindset, and let's start with the mindset that even if we 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 constricted and restrained everybody from doing all the things that, that they love to do that that God hates, that we won't have solved the problem because if they had the opportunity, they would still do it. And that's the issue with this society that we have is we have all these governmental laws that prohibit people from doing the things that God hates that they love. And if they had the opportunity, they would do it. And so rather than making all these laws to constrain people from being able to do the things that they love to do, we need to change their hearts. And what changes someone's hearts is hearts. What changes someone's heart is the gospel and only the gospel. So that's how we solve every problem. So we go to the word of God, figure out what the standard is in the word of God in every area and aspect of life. And then we preach the gospel to people with that light in mind. And to, to kind of close this, what I mentioned at the very beginning is, uh, is this, this story. Um, there was this pastor who went and, and preached at his church a sermon entitled, Thou Shall Not Steal. And he knew that congregants and the people in his congregation were committing theft. And so that's why he preached it. And his, the congregants were very happy that he was preaching this and were clapping and saying, amen and whatever. And they were agreeing with him. And he kept sitting there thinking, I don't, I don't understand. I know that you're stealing. Why are you happy about this? How can you sit there and say, you know, you know, amen. And so what they were, what these people were doing is they were, uh, uh, there was this logging business, right? And so they, and this was like 50 so years ago, they would, they would, you know, chop down trees and they would put the logs in, in the, on this, down this river and it would float down to where their other people would, would take it and put it and, and pull it out of the water to then use it for something. And so they would, you know, use the river as like their transport system. So people were taking the logs out of the river and keeping it for themselves. And so they were stealing stuff. And uh, then people, then they, you know, the logging industry was getting smart and putting like a brand on, on their logs. And then the people, the congregants would pull the logs out and cut off the brand and put their own brand on it and send it back down the river. And so all this was happening. So just blatantly stealing, like it wasn't just a, well, we didn't know it was yours. They got smart and put their own brand on it and they cut it off. They were specifically willingly participating in sin. And so then the next week, the pastor went and changed the title of a sermon to thou shalt not steal logs. And that's when things got interesting. 
And so when we, when we go at this culture and we say, love God, love your neighbor, people don't understand what that means unless we explain to them how God views love and, and how God views love is how God has shown us what his law is in, in the Bible of how to please God and how to please your neighbor, right? That's, that's what we come back to. So we need to be very specific about sin because people don't understand that they're sinners because we all want to ignore our sin. You know, you ask somebody how many, how many lies to take, uh, or how many lies have you told in your whole life? And they'd say countless. And you say, what do you call somebody who tells lies? And they're liar. like, well, they, sometimes people won't say liar. Sometimes people will say a sinner. And I'm like, more specifically, <laughs> they're like, well, you know, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't lie anymore. You know, I, I'm, I'm, you know, whatever. And I'm like, do you see what you're doing? You're trying to ignore calling yourself a liar. And then you can say, so what if I told lies? What would you call me? A liar. And it's like, and so, and so you'll so easily call me a liar. And yet you refuse to call yourself a liar because we have this, this self-preservation of I'm not bad. I'm not evil. I can't be because then I have to deal with this and that's, that's bad. And so we have to be specific about sin. We have to, we have to offend people with the truth about who they are before a holy God and be specific about sin. And that's why we need to study your Bibles and, and, and learn more about the depravity of man and what the Bible says is wrong. So we can greater, we have a greater way to bring people under um, the weight of sin. And uh, Todd Friel has been pulling out different sins um, that specifically address millennials kind of staying away from the 10 commandments. Cause there are other commands that God has given of things like bullying that, that, uh, so that what the millennials, what do the millennials know as evil Well, bullying, you know, judging people, judging people unrighteously, you know, stuff like that. Uh, you know, those are the things that, that millennials see as evil and wrong. And the Bible condemns those things as well. And so let's bring those sins to the table. Look, these are the sins that you, that you know are wrong, that you are professed to be wrong. Don't you do those things? And, and to, to, to bring them to the light of, just to expose their sin, that's important. And we need to be very specific about those things. So that's, that's why we started off with that. If we're going to talk about sin, the reason we get specific about sin is that people understand the weight of it. Mm-hmm. So I think the only other thing like in this topic is talking about original sin, but we already set that up with last week's yeah. um, episode, <laughs> right? right? Uh, so if you want to hear us talk about original sin, uh, head on over to the Christian and Anthropology, episode 130 of The Christian Artist. Uh, but I think we have a had a pretty good discussion here about uh, mm-hmm. sin. Carly, do you have any other last thoughts? Because, uh, you know, Connor and I always talk too much, so. Not really. <laughs> All right, cool. I feel bad now. Um. <laughs> it's fine. I like. I had like a couple like outlined questions. If we like didn't have anything to talk about, but we talked about all of them. Awesome. So. Cool. Okay. Perfect. Good. Good. Yeah. Carly has told us that when she has things to say, <laughs> that she makes sure she says all right. them. All right. Sounds right, good. Carly. Yep. I, I just want to hear you talk more because I, I always love hearing what you have to say. Yeah, it's so. it's true. I, I I always I'm always kind. Of, I I I wish that you you know would say things more, but you know obviously if you don't have something to say, that makes sense. Yeah. But it's you know, 
it just it, it really i mean carly in all reality just makes us look bad <laughs> you know, for the listeners that we're just kind of talking over you yep. all the time and yep we're we more concerned about our reputation than we are concerned about loving our neighbor yep pretty much don't do that that's it <laughs> so you can find us on twitter at christ underscore art underscore show at facebook at facebook.com slash christian artist show and at our website at christian artist show dot com which will be paid on time tomorrow uh <laughs> luckily <laughs> i didn't i didn't i i literally like was on the website today and i was like oh my gosh the payment for the website is literally tomorrow i need to make sure i have money going to that right now okay cool so that but that's all set so so i think that's uh it from us here at the christian artist so eternally this uh thursday um starting season four we, we sent, just finished season three and we're, we're into season four now. It's pretty exciting. Um, and I don't know if we're going to be able to do Anna Domini this Friday because no. I know, well, because Chase has a thing that didn't know when he told, told us about until like two days ago. Um, and so we're still figuring out whether or not we're going to, we're going to go to that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. At the very least, if it doesn't happen this week, it'll hopefully happen next week. But you know what's going to happen is that my, someone's my not going to be... My church has a, there has you a go. Good Friday yep, thing. Yep, yeah. that, oh, it's Good Friday. Yeah, we wouldn't have um, we wouldn't have stuff anyway on Good Friday. Yeah. Um, so in which case, I'm just going to put it on there and ask ask everybody if they're okay with us waiting two more weeks. But and that's, that's the only thing, right? Like if it was... If it was anything else, right. like, I would just be like, we can't, we can cancel this week. But it's been like a month now, and I'd hate yeah. for it to be our fault that. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, we'll figure that out, and maybe we'll have some more stuff going on uh, this week. But Connor, we need to play Outward again. I know. I was yeah. Just thinking about that the other day. Well, well, I'm assuming we played on Saturdays, but we were hanging out with Angel and actually this Saturday. That's true. Yeah, so it makes yeah. perfect sense. So we'll play it again this Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Sounds good. But yeah, Connor and I have been playing uh, a, a CRPG called Outward on my Twitch channel. It's been a good old time there. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that's it for what's going on in this channel. And uh, we'll be back next week with more Christian artist jazz. And uh, I don't know what we're going to talk about next week, but I'm sure we'll figure it out like a couple <laughs> minutes before we go live. So... <laughs> I mean, to be fair, this week we figured it out yesterday. So. We did. Yeah. We were actually pretty on top of everything today. It was just my fault yeah. that we didn't have the overlays in the right place. So, oops. What I just need to be, Connor, you just need to make sure you get on first. Because um, then I don't have Tell to me. think about it. Yeah. <laughs> that you get on okay. first uh, on the video chat so that you're already first in the Oh, I see. Okay. In the lineup. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Connor's never the first one. Actually, he's either the first one or the last one. That's actually every single time when we do a, a stream. You either get on really early or you don't get on until probably we're too. It's too late. It's very um, true. So, uh, but yes, that that's it from us here at the Christian Artist, and uh, we'll be back next week with another Christian and theologies. Um, once we get finished with this little series, we should really like do some art stuff because yeah. we're, we're neglecting the second part of our name. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's it from us here. Have a great week, and we'll see you on the other side. Adios. The other side. The other side of the week. <laughs> Bye.